Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The big game is this Sunday. Can the all-time GOAT, I didn't write this, by the way, get it done against the future GOAT, Brady and Mahomes going head-to-head, and everyone's talking about who's going to win the big game. Whether you're on the Chiefs or the Bucks. just remember, wherever you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. That's why I always tell my friends and the listeners of this show to go to my bookie. My bookie has all the props for the big game. These guys truly let you bet on anything. Whether it's the length of the national anthem, MVP, or the color of the sports drink dumped on the winning coach, my bookie has a buffet of Chiefs Bucks props for you to chew on. You can even win big on NFL squares. No need to leave the comfort of your home. You can access the sportsbook and casino right from your phone. Don't miss out on the last game of the year. Sign up at my bookie today and use promo code three yards. That's the word three yards to have your deposit match halfway up to a thousand dollars. Bet win and get paid with my bookie let me introduce you to another sponsor bestever.com that is b-s-t-e-v-r.com bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real life data to simulate hypothetical situations for example ever wondered if dan marino could win a super bowl with a top 10 running game we all have you can do that with bestever.com let's say the dolphins are in the running for a big free agent Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Bestever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T-E-V-R.com. This show is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, 
and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiag. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon Clancy is not. He's feeling under the weather. He should be with us next week. But, you know, it is Super Bowl week, and Chris Kaufman is in Tampa, and he hooked up with Ethan Skolnick. And I'm I am, on, I am on location. I'm on location. I've I've come out. Yes, he's reporting live, live yes. from the, the from site of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl City. I'm out here for the Super Bowl. And what did he give you? Uh, we gave you a couple videos later uh, or this uh, this afternoon. Oh, but I, I did get my manscaped swag finally, and I have it. <laughs> And, and you know what's funny about that? You, you know, of course I have. Uh, you know what's funny about that though is I I opened it up. I opened the box, and you know it's it's a great it's a great looking box. And you open it up, it's got you know uh, a little message in there on the inside for you. Um, I took a picture of it. I sent it to my brother. I was like, hey, I got my podcast uh, sponsor swag. Uh, <laughs> you know, like just figuring he'd laugh or something like that and he laughed but he's like oh yeah i use that too it's <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit all this time i didn't know you know like i'm like hey i i you know you struggle you're like oh, what should i get my brother for christmas or something i could have been getting him the lawnmower 3.0 i could have been getting them refills on the ball toner the, the <laughs> possibilities are uh, are endless and I, I all this time i just did not know he was a uh, loyal manscaped customer yeah, it's a it's a necessity nowadays, and of course you got to use five RSN, and you get twenty percent off your next order. And trust me, your next order is probably going to be next week, and yep. the following week, and the following week, because their products not only are they necessary, they're very good products, very well constructed. The lawnmower three point very useful. I've been using it for months, has not broken, still works, still charges all the way up, still holds its charge, and of course the ball toner. You know, you almost want to slather yourself in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, it's it's a great. It's got a, it's got a great musk to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and before we went on air, it, you know, of course, you know, disclaimer, I don't give financial advice on this show. Please don't take none of our financial advice. But if Manscaped ever went public, I'd oh, be there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be there. You know on the I think at, at this point, like I'm in the stage of like if they wanted to do something like that go with go with an ico not not a uh not an ipo go with an initial coin offering uh and and go the crypto route and uh just really capitalize not financial advice no wink, wink. of course not no we have to keep saying that yeah another no but in my case it's like for real like seriously yes. disregard everything i said and, although and uh, although you know, you know I, I have to say it as well because it turns out you could get sued <laughs> yeah i'm not yeah well okay i don't want to get sued that's that sounds bad but i really just don't want to lose my job <laughs> yeah uh another piece of housekeeping you heard at the top of the show uh some of our ads one of our ads and one of our finest sponsors is prize picks of course and for this week in advance of the big game if you pick and you know how it works you pick the over under on fantasy projections if you can hit 16 of them i know it's tough but that's why there's a big price. $100,000. If you could hit 16 over-unders wow. this weekend. What's 
how 16 like 16 in a in a parlay type situation is that right exactly you have to okay, hit so, 16 so what's the minimum bet what's the minimum bet on like a 16 parlay well in this case if you are a member of price picks if you've opened an account if you've used the promo code five f-i-v-e you get to do it for free you get to oh so you get to just pick a pick a you know, pick 16 parlay or for your parlay and, and just a free entry to try and win that hundred thousand dollars. Yes. Wow. And there's other payouts awesome. too. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, for example, you hit 15 out of 16, 5k, 14 out of 16, 1k, 13 out of 16, 250 bucks, 12 out of 16, 100, but who cares? You want to hit the 16 out of this. I, I need to look this up. Ethan was telling me about this a little bit earlier today and you know, it's just, they, they've simplified it and you can just do, you know, over-unders of, uh, of LeBron scoring 25 and a half points or something like that, you know, and, and you can parlay guys from different sports together. Yes, yes you can. And, um, and, and then you can also do, you know, kind of what he, what he described seemed like kind of a round Robin type bet to me, uh, where, where you got a bunch of, bunch of picks and, and you still get credit if like, if, if most of them come in and not, not necessarily all of them like a parlay, but, um, yeah, I thought it sounded really interesting and probably something that would take up a lot of my time in the day if I let it. <laughs> but yeah, all you got to do is just go to pricepicks.com, sign up. Of course, use the promo code F-I-V-E. And once you make your first deposit, not only do you get a bonus up to $100, but you get an automatic entry into this event. The super flex, which is 16 out of 16, $100,000. All right. That's it for all the ads. Not that's it for the show. That would have been hilarious if I had finished the show. I right think there. we should cut the show off now. Like that's it. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Had I said, okay, that's it. You know, see you next week. And all we do is ads, but we have a lot. Five to talk seconds, about. five seconds of dead air. And then we come back, you know? <laughs> yeah. But the dolphins finally have an offensive coordinator. Hmm. It. well no they have two what <laughs> they have two really i didn't yeah. know that. they have two yeah. of them yeah i thought, they I thought his name was i thought his name was eric studsville godsey oh no yeah no it's two guys it's it's god stud oh okay it's it or the stud god and which <laughs> let us know Whoa. on twitter which one you like better the stud god or uh god stud well uh, you, you have know, the trademark I, on that if they're really really good this coming season yeah yeah, we're gonna start calling them the stud god, or or like okay, instead of God's stud, like if it's really bad, it's more like God's dud. Um, <laughs> yes. Or or if it's really good, it's stud god. I think that's I think that's what we'll what we'll probably have to work with. But yeah, Eric Studsville, George Godsey, those are the new co coordinators, offensive coordinators. Eric Studsville, known around the league, one of the best running back coaches. In the NFL, truth be told, one of the best coaches, period, in the NFL. George Godsey kind of had that BFF look for Tua Tungvaloa this year, was tight mm. ends coach. Now, supposedly, I guess, I don't know how they're going to work this, but if I had to guess, and this is completely a guess, and this is not information, I would say Godsey on the sideline, Studsville in the booth and making the calls. Or uh, no, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go opposite. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say yeah. it's Godsey, Godsey in the booth, 
and uh, and stud and Studsville on the sidelines. And I th- and the reason I say that is um, because Charlie Fry is now here as the quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. So what you know, Godsey, what we all saw him doing last year was when Robbie Brown went out with COVID. Gotsy took over his um, his role on the sidelines with Tua and the quarterbacks, you know, kind of working with them, looking at the the defense and stuff like that. Um, and he never gave that back, even when Robbie Brown came back. And uh, and you know, there there have been reports about um, him assuming even more of those quarterback duties, but but he's giving those back up. You know, Charlie Fry is doing that now, so. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Fry is going to be on the sidelines working with the quarterbacks. And so Gotsy doesn't seem to me like he'd have a place down there. I think his place is going to be in the booth. And I think it's probably going to be, I think the play caller is going to be Studsville. I don't have any information on that. That's personal, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that uh, it's going to be Godsy in the booth kind of, you know, really looking at the defense and, and giving information into uh, to Studsville so that he can call the plays. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Now let's get into this decision-making process. Uh, Cameron Wolf has, I guess he's been, you know, I'll, I'll go out and, I'll, I don't think this is much of a limb to go out on. I think Cameron Wolf has beat the pants out of everybody else on this story. He's been one step ahead of everybody. And he says if the Dolphins wanted to hire an outside guy, I think that he, he thinks they had an opportunity, that this is something mm-hmm. that Brian Flores wants and Brian Flores got. Your thoughts yeah. on how this ended up with and – did they make the right decision? Of course, we don't know. But in your opinion, is this strange, like some people seem to think, online? Or is this something common and this could work? Well, there are strange aspects of it. I mean, there's there's definitely a strange aspect of two things. One, waiting this long just to promote internal, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially if that's true, that it's like, you know, hey, this is what this is what Flores really wants. Um, then it looks like the senior bowl really was sort of a proof of concept that this could work. And, and that's weird. <laughs> you know, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll say it out there. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a strange aspect of it. Calling them and, and keep in mind, the dolphins have made no announcement, mm-hmm. right? So no announcement. So we're going on, we're going on virtual, you know, we're going on, I'm not saying nothing, but I mean, it's and it's and I won't say rumor either because that that would that would be uh, disrespectful to the to the people that are doing the fine reporting on it. But we've got no real announcement from them. So so the language, everybody's parsing the language. This co-coordinator thing and yeah, you know, everybody gets really really uppity about that. Um, co-coordinator co if it was co-coordinator and not run coordinator pass coordinator, that would be a little odd. That's that doesn't happen. I mean, it's let's be honest. I mean, that's that's not um, that that often. Is it odd for it to be a committee? No, not in any way, shape or form. Uh, This is this has happened. This is all over the place in football. It's all over the place in the NFL. It's all over the place in college. It's all over the place now in in high school. I was reading I was reading a a piece penned by a a coach um, a couple. This was back in like. 2016 right and he he said that he had been a a big you know disbeliever 
and the idea of having the co-coordinator situation of having the pass coordinator and run coordinator and then he, he like he had the light turn on and he just and he started doing it and and realized that by breaking up the workloads in that way you could get you could put more work into the different different aspects of the game and um and that's I, I think that's ultimately what it's about. I think it's um, it, more work into the situational aspects of the game, more work into the, the different uh, kinds of plays. Um, and that's what, that's what the committee approach is about. And, and there's nothing strange about the idea of it being a committee at all. You know, mm. it's, it's, it happens all over the place. The, the thing that is strange is, you know, we'll see what the actual structure is, who's play caller, who's, who's um who's got the final say if if anybody has the final say um what is a little bit strange is when you see these sorts of committee approaches there's usually an offensive minded head coach there's usually an andy reed a kyle shanahan a sean Mm -hmm. mcveigh a matt lafleur um bruce arians Bruce, bruce arians you know when you so when you see that there's there's that guy kind of with the final say on everything keeping you tight to the vision Mm-hmm. And that's and that's not present here. Um, although you know Flores himself might be getting more involved in the offense too, so we got to keep that in mind. And he does have the final say to keep tight to the vision. So, um, and I I don't buy any of this crap about always oh, a defensive guy. Well, listen, if if you're a defensive guy and you've been spending your career looking uh, at offenses, looking looking at offenses, you, you <laughs> if you're a defensive guy, you probably spend more time looking at offenses than offensive guys. Yeah. Um, like so. I don't understand that at all and I saw it I saw it on Twitter at all time at all hours this past week and I I made fun of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is, you know, you know, I I don't buy this idea that Brian Flores sees that his team has the ball and he's he starts drooling on on himself not knowing what to do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's and, and uh, I'll be uh, yeah. Let's let's be honest about that. I mean, he 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 knows he probably knows what he wants out of the offense. He's probably communicated that, and this is probably mm-hmm. this is probably help in his mind. This is helping him carry out his vision. Um, whereas maybe an old hat like Chan Gailey, you know, he has he has his own no ways pun of intended. Doing <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean. Yeah. But he has his own ways, ways of doing things. And, um, and so, so maybe Brian Flores will be that authority. I don't know, but that's, that's the, that's the difference here. Like we don't have a Bruce Arians. We don't have a Kyle Shanahan. We don't have, you know, it'd be great though. It'd be great if we did. I understand that. Uh, uh, But the, the issue isn't the committee approach. The issue is just that we have George Godsey and Eric Studsville and not Bruce Arians. Like that's, that's the issue. That's a, if if Studsville and or Godsey are destined to become the next Bruce Arians or the next, you know, Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur, or, you know, one of those guys, then this is going to work great. This is going to be awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. But if they're not, if they're just if they're just not all that good, um, that's going to be shit. You know, it's going to, it's going to be, it's not going to look that great. And and eventually they'll get fired and we'll, we'll be replacing. And that's, that's the way it works. I mean, the average coordinator hire in the NFL ends in disaster. I mean, <laughs> yes. these, these guys have a half-life of like two years. I said it on Twitter. I mean, that's let, let's be honest. And it's not, no, it's not necessarily just because the head coach gets switched out. The coordinators get switched out before the head coach. That's the first of all, that's the first of all is the coordinators. 
And then the head coach goes after that because, you know, that's the, it goes up the chain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, most, most coordinator hires, no matter how excited you are about it, you're like, yeah, 75% chances is going to be done in three, four years. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's reality. That's just reality. Yeah. You um, know what is also reality? If these guys, and I'll, I'll go out and look the, the date is February 3rd of 2021. If the Dolphins have a top 10 offense, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Eric Studsville becomes head coach of, you know, I don't know, whatever blank state in college. Sure. You know what I, mean? I, th- I think so. I think you that's know? a that's a strong problem. You know, and, and part of me actually wondered if if this co-coordinator thing sticks, like if that's when they announce it and it's official and all that stuff, whatever. Um I wonder if this is about finding a loophole that prevents them from being able to be hired as offensive coordinators. That is interesting. Because like there's, there's a rule now the NFL put out a rule that, that the teams can no longer block their assistance from a promotion. So, and that would include like a pass coordinator being promoted to offensive coordinator. That's a promotion. So if if these guys are co-offensive coordinators, I wonder if that prevents either of them from being hired offensive coordinator somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Just, just a thought. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And we got this question, and I'm going to answer it for him because you know he filled out the question, and it seemed like he took time to think this through. And he asked, and I think it's a really good one too. And it's Jake's at Llama Face 120. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but he asked, he asked a question for the podcast. Where does play calling rank in the hierarchy of OC responsibilities? How important is being a good play caller? And simultaneously, how good can an offense be if the play calling is fine, but nothing special? Well, I don't understand about that last, that last part of it. But I'll take this and, and then you could okay. expand on it if you want. And this is not to disparage, you know, the maestros that you're going to see on on Sunday because, you know, Bruce Arians, that whole group, that whole group in Tampa Bay and, of course, that group in Kansas City, you know, like what they call usually looks, you know, it looks beautiful. It looks, it flows. It has a rhythm to it. But you know what Also, it also has? It also has uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Mike mm-hmm. Evans, Tom Brady, Patrick right. Mahomes. You know, Rob Gronkowski in his second life, you know, Chris Godwin. You see you see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So not to disparage any of these guys that are great play callers, but if you are a, reason, a reasonably good competitive Madden player, okay, and you have an idea of what rhythm is in play calling, you could probably be a good play caller. The important part i think for an oc is what happens monday and tuesday on monday you're reviewing the all 22 from sunday and you're saying to yourself okay we could have done this differently i know i called this here but maybe we could have called this let me go over the tendencies let me see if i screwed any of that up okay i didn't all right who are we playing this weekend we're playing the carolina panthers okay all right what do they like to do on first down what do they like to do on second down what does third and ten look like for them on defense mm-hmm. you know do they bring pressures how often do they bring pressures okay here's my playbook 
My playbook has 400 plays in it with five variations. So I guess we got 2,000 plays. Let me sit down with my coaches Tuesday morning. We got to start building this game plan for the Carolina Panthers. Okay, I need 80 plays. We need 80 plays for this Sunday, the right 80 plays. And now we have Tuesday through Friday, you're implementing those 80 plays and you're talking to your quarterback, talking to your wide receivers, the offensive line, getting everybody on the same page. And then it's the execution of those 80 plays on Sunday. Now, if you're some somebody, you know, if you're just weird in play calling, that's another thing, you know. But I believe, you know, Tuesday through Saturday is more important than the actual play calling on Sunday. Your thoughts? I think the play crawl- calling is crucial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the other side of this one, and okay. I think that the, I think the play calling on Sunday is a big deal. I think it's it's as much of a performance as any as any of the performances on the football field, um, and that's what it is. It is a performance, uh, and there's a skill to it, and there's a um, you know there's a feel to the game. There's listen, all these guys, all these guys in the NFL are mostly running the same place. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a fact. That's, that's part of what, that's part of what Miami's doing is, you know, per Ian Rappaport, you know, he, he tried to make sure that we're not forgetting Charlie Fry in this Mm -hmm. because, you know, he thinks that what the dolphins are doing is taking a lot of input from Charlie Fry into what they're doing and implementing a lot of college stuff. Um, And, and that's what, I mean, he really emphasized that. And, um, and I think that, I think it would be uh, remiss of us to to just forget gloss over that. Um, all these guys in the NFL are mostly running the same shit. I mean, mm-hmm. they really are, and and that's that's just a fact. So so it, it's not it's not necessarily what you're calling. It's it's when you're calling it. You know, it's it's when you're calling. Kyle Shanahan is not his offenses don't work because they you know because these are plays that you've never seen before right mm-hmm. and the, the, his offenses work because of the rhythm he establishes and how much he can make you know one play look like the other and he can hit you this way force you to force you to start adjusting to it and then hit you the other way getting into that rhythm i mean that's that's what that's what the play caller does um you know when they when, when they're successful now to your point if you show up to the game and you prepared for um defense that you just aren't the denver game like in my mm-hmm. for the miami dolphins this year uh you show up you show up and the defense is doing something you didn't you didn't prepare for um then there's no getting into rhythm no you know, there's no there's there's no way to get into rhythm uh until you simplify everything and and get them get them you know not if if, if you take away if you go hurry up you take away their ability to sub right Mm -hmm. and and then they got to line up and they got to make their their play calls a little bit more simplified and then you you know then you can get into rhythm that's why that that often works is because you you can get into rhythm you start you start being able to predict more of what the defense is doing play to play um and you know, because they're you limit their options. I think when you when you start to go no huddle, you start to keep them on the field and, and don't allow them to sub and everything. Um, but yeah, you can't get in a rhythm if you didn't if you didn't plan right. So it's crucial mm-hmm. to plan right. I'm not taking that away, 
but I also think that the performance on Sunday is a big deal. It's a big deal. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, watching a coach clinic from clinic from Steve Sarkeesian and, and he was talking about that too. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal, you know, cause they, in, in Alabama, they build their offense off the, the foundation is the run. And, and if you give mm-hmm. them a seven man box, they're going to run it down your throat. And that's the kind of team that they are. So then they build the RPOs off of the run and the RPOs are basically opportunistic passes. Like if you, if you have this sort of spacing, we're just going to take, we're just going to take this, take this from you. You know, that's, that's the, the idea of the RPO is, is, you know, if your guy lines up here, we're just going to take that, uh, that free yardage from you uh, via the pass, but then they build in the play pass, you know, the, the play fakes and, and, and the play action, and they make the play action look and smell exactly like an RPO. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then they, and then they start working. Okay. Well now you're doing play action. And so, um, so that takes a long time and your guys have to hold their blocks a little bit a little bit longer. Well, what about, what about just doing um, dropbacks, you know, dropback passes yeah, I to did, help uh, out, to help out the quarterback you know, yeah. and all this, all this is built, you know, foundationally, but it's also built foundationally during the football game. It's not just built in install. It's built, it's built during the football game with the play calling. And, um, and I think that that's, it's pretty crucial. And also one last note. Mm-hmm. Just one last one last point on this. Shane Steichen of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. How crucial can play calling be? He made a mistake and called in a run play like with seconds left on the clock and no timeouts. And they were, you know, in, in I think it was in field goal range or something like it was it was one of those egregiously bad mm-hmm. calls. And and what's his name? The coach, Anthony Lynn, he, you know, he, he, I guess he wasn't monitoring. He just lets his offensive coordinator do his thing, but Steichen just brain farted and called in a run play. Cause he just didn't, he wasn't aware. He yeah. wasn't aware. And they lost the game because of that. It can be crucial. If you got a first year play caller, if you got a first year play caller and there's all kinds of things buzzing around his head and there's all this information coming in from all these different places. I mean, you got to manage it. It's, it's gotta be hard. So it, you know, again, I emphasize the performance aspect of it. Yeah, and and it, just to be clear, uh, in case people think that these guys are are going to put on a, a headset for the first time for their entire careers, they've heard the play call because most because Studsville has been a running backs coach, and the running backs coach has to hear the play call to understand which personnel grouping is in. So he has to know which running back he's sending in for every play. And Godsey has been a quarterbacks coach. So, and I mean, he hasn't, he's been a play caller too. Yeah. I mean, he was also OC for for the Texans, right? For one year. Yeah. He was, he was OC for the Texans. He was play caller for a year and then a couple of games. And then Bill O'Brien took the, took the play calling back. Bill Mm -hmm. O'Brien, you know, he's one of those guys that holds on to the play calling for dear life. And, and he was convinced to give it to, to Godsey. And, and then he took it back partway through uh, the 2016 season. And then he didn't give it up again until, um, until very recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, um, this, this, this last year, I think. Um, so yeah, the Gotsi has played called plays before, you know, we can argue about how good it was or whatever, but, um, but yeah, he's done it before Studsville, as far as I know, has not. Um, interestingly enough, Charlie Fry has. 
you know, mm. Charlie Fry was a accomplished play caller and um, an offensive coordinator up in uh, central Michigan. Mm. So, but yeah, I, I tend to agree that, yeah, the sequency is, is, is really in, important, but I, I will say, I will say this uh, a lot of times this year and execution above all else, a lot of times this year, uh, Chan Gailey would even, he called some things that were kind of odd for the, for the down and distance. And you know how many times I saw things pop and they just didn't execute it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, players above all else, I, I even think that even some weird play calling, if you have really good players, they can make something like that work, mm. you know, but I agree with you. It, it is an art because in my opinion, and I know people are going to say, well, you know, the Dolphins smashed this offense, but Sean McVay, his all 22 stuff is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He'll run stuff that looks completely one way in the first quarter, right? And it's an outside zone run, right? Then he'll run the same exact formation at the same part of the field on the same hash mark, okay? And you're thinking to yourself, well, he's running the exact same thing, right? No, and it's something completely opposite. It's a bootleg. It's a play-action pass, you know? So he's always setting things up by making things look the same. So, yeah, it is an art. Absolutely. I, I, I would agree with that. But I, I think planning the planning stages, because like you said, the Denver, the Denver game, like I think that game was lost when they walked onto the field. Yeah. And uh, how sure. stale did they look against the Raiders as well? That was another game where they walked onto the field and, well, before the game, it looked like they were trying to figure out what the hell Rob Marinelli was going to do. Yep. But, but that was a game that started and it looked like they had no clue. They had no clue what they were doing. You know, so yeah. yeah. Well, it's gonna be interesting to see how that works. But moving on, we had the senior bowl, and we have a lot of opinions. We already saw the game. And who was the the MVP? Oh yeah, it was the the, the quarterback, right? Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond. Okay, he was the MVP. Uh, I even, Michael, even though he lost. <laughs> yeah, Michael Carter had a shot. Des Fitzpatrick as well. But overall thoughts, and I guess I guess we could start with the offensive lineman, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you know, definitely. If we're gonna talk tea leaves, they coached Creed Humphrey. Okay, I thought he had a spectacular Senior Bowl game. Okay, he played very very well. There's he a couple did. of complaints that we will get to in a second, but if we're gonna talk tea leaves, the Dolphins coaching staff was really hands on with Robert Hainsey all week, and played him. All along the interior, and were they Mets. were they handsy with handsy? Yeah, they were handsy with handsy. <laughs> okay, now I think this suggests something, right? It suggests like they're looking at center and they're saying, you know what, an upgrade could be done there. Yeah, but he's not a center. That's important to um, it's important to realize they had him mm-hmm. play at center some during the week, but I mean he was playing right tackle at Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's one of those guys. If, if you really look at how he was used throughout the week, um, he he did take some center snaps, and he was surprising. Like, I noticed him because he was taking center snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, that was um, that was something. And uh, he, he looked good. I mean, he looked good there. Um, but he's a guy that they had literally playing four out of the five positions during the week, during yeah. the practice week. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they had them, they had them specifically at each of the four positions I saw, uh, I saw them. So that's, that's what they're attracted to. I mean, he's a team captain, you know, he's the, 
Uh, he was Notre Dame's offensive lineman of the year in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just he's their kind of guy, definitely because of the versatility and the uh, the accolades and the, the leadership and all that. Um, but I don't know that I don't know if he is definitely a center. He might be, but it, it, it's not necessarily where he's got the most experience. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Now on Creed Humphrey, we had a, a a back and forth on the WhatsApp chat, and I guess I'll 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 you know I'll rehash it here for our listeners so they could hear it. I thought he was great. I thought he was I thought he was good all week. Although you know he might have been outshined a little bit by Hainsey, I thought, and by Quinn Miners, but that game, it you know it was like a it was I wouldn't call it a coming out party because he came out a while ago, but. I thought it was a statement like, Hey, you know, I'm center one and nobody else is particularly close right now. I thought he played a great game. My only complaint is the one that I told you, which is way too often. He looks like he stops playing and he says, look, my my work is done. The ball should be gone by now while the defensive line is chasing somebody down to the, to the sideline or, or worse getting after your quarterback. He too often, just stops playing because he thinks, okay, you know, this is enough. My work is done here. You told me that'll change in the NFL. What were your other thoughts about Creed Humphrey? Because this is a guy that for, for weeks, if not months, people were penciling in at number 18. Mm -hmm. So thoughts and did he hurt that status? Is he still a first round pick? I think that thing that you talk about, you know, not, not necessarily playing through the whistle, um, this is this is the sort of thing that people see see and they they sort of isolate and they and they criticize and and I get it but um but then it it completely changes at the NFL I mean it just does it's sort of like when these guys when these running backs show up to uh to Senior Bowl week and they go into the one on one drills trying to pass block and mm-hmm. they look like fucking nincompoops I mean they look they look awful um and and it's because they've not been taught anything and and the drills themselves kind of really really um favor the blitzer anyway but um but they look they look like they have no idea what they're doing and then they get to the nfl and and get some coaching they look like friggin frank gore all of a sudden i mean it's it's just it's it's insane i mean it's it it really is um so this is one of those things that's like low on the list for me as far as like impacting impacting what i think of a guy um yeah, you could say that he he went out there and had had a good game and um and it was a statement uh you know I'm the best center in the game and he was the best center in the game because Quinn Miners didn't play, um you know that's and and that's the real that's the criticism about him because when you're Creed Humphrey and you played 37 games and you've been one of the best centers in the entire NCAA for years for mm-hmm. really multiple years, um you're not supposed to go to the senior bowl and get shown up by a, a, a converted guard from Wisconsin whitewater who learned to block by hitting trees in the Canadian wilderness. Um, you know, you're just, Which you're not great. What a great bio. Yeah. I mean, you're just not, that's just not supposed to happen. Right. right. And, and yeah. he did, but he did, he got, he got outshone by minors in the practices. Um, and that's, you know, minors went out there, showed, showed that he, he wanted it more. I mean, he was, he was higher energy. He was, um, you know, he was, he was doing better um, just period. And I think that that's, 
that's something it's it's not that your stock will drop as a creed humphrey because of that but but he didn't improve his stock i don't think um and that's because he already had pretty high standing um so and and furthermore uh if you really look at the back view on the um the practice tapes i there are definitely zone systems in the nfl that are getting more popular now mm. as more shanahan more of the Shanahan elk, you know, kind of go somewhere else. There's those zone zealots are not going to take him, you know, period. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because, you know, he can't, he can't get, he can't get to the other side of a, um, I mean, he could barely get to the other side of a one tech and he's never going to get to the other side of a three tech, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, and that's, um, and that's just a reality for Creed Humphrey. He, he will fit every other offense offense in the league including the miami dolphins offense um so he's he's front you know he's front and center for the dolphins but um center um and and (laughs) but i think that uh i think that there's definitely you know those those zone zealot teams are gonna fight they're gonna fight each other over drew dalman out of uh, stanford or or they may even try and you know start asking dylan radins um of north dakota state how he feels about snapping the ball um, but the Dolphins will be looking at Creed Humphrey. You know why? Because they need a center right now. They don't need a center for a year from now, right? They don't need they don't need the guard from Wisconsin Whitewater who converted to center and and showed that he his his tree blocking you know really really showed out in an All Star <laughs> Week. I mean they're they're still make no mistake All Star Week aside, he's going to have a learning curve. Right. He's going to have a learning curve. And a lot of these guys that you're talking about, like Hansy might have a learning curve. Um, they need a guy that had the 37 starts and that's been one of the best centers in college football for years. Yeah. And, um, and that's, and that's, that's Creed Humphrey that, and they, they're not running one of those outside zone systems that, that to where they'll say, you know, Creed doesn't fit this. So, so I think the dolphins will be looking at, and actually he's the guy I keep telling people aside from, you know, like, uh, Devonta Smith and, and, um, Najee Harris were technically on the dolphin squad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys are probably most likely to be in, end up on the dolphins, but other, other than them, Creed Humphrey is actually probably the most likely player to end up on the dolphins from the national mm-hmm. squad. Yeah, and I would say if history is any indicator, he's a first round pick. Somebody will somebody will think, you know, you know, I'm not waiting to the second round for him. Uh, is this right? I'm going to agree with you, but only because of the budget cuts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think his um, his stock is heading there. I thought it was, you know, heading into this process. I don't think it's heading there anymore uh, in a vacuum uh, being a first round pick. Uh, I think it will happen this year because budgets and, and uh, salary caps are being slashed by 22 million mm. across the board. It's nearly a billion dollars uh, being bled out of, um, out of NFL budgets. Uh, and, and so a lot of teams out there, there's like, you know, more than half the teams out there are above the salary cap and have to cut a significant amount of, of players just to even, just even have enough to sign their draft picks. Um, and so there's what that translates to is a lot of these teams need 
players that they can start immediately. And mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey is probably the most plug and play center in the draft. The most, you know, the safest, most plug and play center in the draft. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, teams that, that are forced to lop off a center because you, they're a hundred million dollars over the salary cap. Um, they're going to, they're going to be targeting guys like that, like Creed and saying, you know, Hey, here it is. Here's the position. Mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. You, there, there's been years where I've watched the senior bowl and usually after the senior bowl is when I make my opinion, you know, uh, I get an opinion of what this draft class kind of looks like. And there's been years where I've looked at it and I've said, you know, I wouldn't mind trading our first round pick for an established player. This is one of those years where I wish we had more first round picks and we already have two of them because, <laughs> because we, I looked at that wide receiver core, man, it's, it's, it goes deeper than Devonta Smith. It, there's so many good players. Amari Rogers, I thought had a great week and not only did he have a great week, but I remember watching Debo Samuel and saying to myself, you know what? I don't know, man. Like, you know, does this running back at wide receiver thing actually really work? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, it does. Okay. <laughs> All right. It works. If Debo Samuel's any indication, yeah, it works. I think this is a do-over on Debo Samuel. If somebody passed on him a couple of years ago, well, you know, Amari Rogers, I think, is a facsimile thereof. I think he's really, really close. I think uh, I loved I loved his I loved his work this week. I loved his game. And of course, you know, I liked everything he's done, you know, at, at Clemson, so you know. I think he's the perfect slot. Absolutely. I think he's a, he's built he's built to be the perfect slot. And the reason I say that, you know, a lot of people they see a guy that's not too fast mm-hmm. and uh has, you know, quicker than fast and, you know, maybe smart player um tough you know that and they're like okay he's slot um he has pluses that go and i think anybody to be a really special slot player you have to have pluses above that go above and beyond right mm-hmm. you, you either gotta have the speed to really actually challenge somebody um or you gotta have unusual you know physicality and toughness and um and I think that he has, he's five foot nine and a half and 211 pounds. This is like almost like, I mean, it's not quite Maurice Jones drew at like five foot seven and 200 and, and 207 pounds. But I mean, it's, it's kind of close, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, so it's, it's that kind of player. It's that kind of player at, um, at slot. And he's all, but he's also, he, he, he also, I think he has legitimate speed. Yeah. He's, I think he's got plus speed and, and you watch him in the one-on-one drills, and he's definitely one of those guys. You could isolate a couple of these guys. These short striders. Shy, Shy Smith was one of these um, yeah. from South Carolina. You know, the short striders, quick guys, they get open for days, days and days and days in these one-on-one drills, you know, where they get to drag the defensive back around, three-way go, you know. It's yeah. just but I like to see those. I like to see those guys run real routes, though. Yeah, I hate forget. Them. But it. But it's like forget trying to forget trying to cover this guy. And that Murray yeah. Murray Rogers was like that. And that's that's great. That's that's mm-hmm. one part of the story. Maybe not even the most important part of the story. Um, but it's the it's the toughness. It's the toughness at five nine and a half, two hundred and eleven pounds to catch those balls over the middle, take the shot, take the hit. Um, and then also, you know, do some work with strength after the catch. 
Um, and, and he and he mixes in. I mean, this is what he did at, at Clemson, right? He was the jet sweep kind of guy. You know, he mm-hmm. was the he was that guy, right? You you know that guy. Um, and and so he's he he really blends those two things, and then he's physical in, in terms of uh blocking. And that's surprisingly really important for a slot because because you end up you end up in position of really potentially impacting the play with your blocking as opposed to some of the guys on the oh, outside. Yeah, his, yeah, his blocking matter. Yeah, his blocking <laughs> pops all over the place on Clemson. Yeah, play. absolutely. Like, like he's so, one of the most important reasons why Clemson's offense is so good is because so, he so can put it all together though. Those guys out. Yeah. But put it all together though, plus blocking, you know, plus toughness in, in terms of you know, five, nine and a half, two and eleven, two hundred eleven pounds. That's a great, that's a great profile, right? Yes. Um, and in term muscle mass and everything. Great toughness plus toughness, plus uh, plus blocking, um, plus quickness, the, the kind of quickness that you expect from a slot, uh, ball carrying from a that you kind of expect from a jet sweep kind of guy. Um, and and then and then potentially, potentially, um, we'll see, but I think you might have plus speed. And, um, and so add that all together. It's basically the perfect slot. Uh, yeah. So. I did a, I did a, like not an official mock draft, but I just started like, you know, okay, I think this could happen and that could happen. And this could happen. I ended up with a Mario Rogers going 32 to the Kansas city Chiefs. Hmm. Does that seem right? Or well, I th- is this the guy we could hunt in the second round? I think we might be able to hunt him in the second round. Hmm. Um, what a well i mean he fits okay so keep in mind though he's t martin's kid by the way i, I didn't know that until recently so shame which on is me. another but, plus um, yeah that's another plus you know you always like to see the bloodlines but not only bloodlines but not how he was raised it's a being in a football family it's it's absolutely you know it's experience that goes back to a, a very long way that's why it's uh that's why it's attractive um i think that you know, he could he could go in the second round, but he's also one of these guys that, uh, as I said, if the theme becomes I need a guy that's going to play immediately because I just had to cut guys that that, you know, I didn't want to cut because my budget came in twenty two million dollars less. Um, if that's the that's the theme, then he's he's going to benefit from that. Um, so so we'll see uh, I, where where he goes. But I, I think he was. Um, I think he's a, a big standout, big winner in, uh, in in Mobile. And, yeah, it was pretty obvious. All right. Other wide receivers that stood out to you? To me, I'll give you a couple. Of course, Dwayne Eskridge, you know, he looked great all week. But to me, Des Fitzpatrick uh, popped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Sage Surratt looked good all week. And Shai Smith really, you know, is a guy that, I looked at it and I said, man, this is a, you could tell, this is a professional wide receiver. What did you see? I, I think I agree with you on Des Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's got the length at six foot two and, um, and he moves like he has, he has sort of, uh, um, he has some shake to him, you mm-hmm. know, for a six foot two guy, he's got some shake. And so he gets open and that's what you see on Louisville. I mean, they use Tutu Atwell to, to keep, defense is honest uh on the outsides uh, and let you know des fitzpatrick and um and other receivers on the outside you know really just go one-on-one and and get open and that's what he does he gets open um he mm-hmm. caught as many balls this year i think as tutu atwell 
uh, who is another guy, you know, we can talk about that's a really good player, but um, yeah. So, so he stood out because of that, but he also had like kind of the fuck upness, I think, mm-hmm. in in his game. And, you know, that's something that the players grow out, grow out of sometimes. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on that. But uh, I think Dwayne Eskridge, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over what he did um, because his speed and his one cut ability, you know, one step, one cut suddenness were uncoverable. Yeah, and he, um, had, he in, was doing an Antonio Brown impersonation. He really it was. was it was ridiculous, and he's and he's got like we're talking like four three zero type of speed. Yep. Um. And and that's I mean you you watch him when you see a guy on like a a hitch take a hitch or a curl or something like that, and you know always when you're when you're when you're coming back to the quarterback and the ball's coming in you got you got the ball coming in well you, you've got. If you're open, you you still got a, a defensive back closing in on your back as, and usually you're tackled right away. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's so goddamn fast. He catches that, comes back a little bit. The guy can't tackle him, and then he just outruns <laughs> him all the way to the fucking end zone. It's, yeah, no, it's, he's it's, so it's, fast. He's so fast that every every guy who covers him forgets to stay in their back pedal and gets out of it immediately. Yeah. Because I mean, they're afraid of getting even with him because they know if they get even with him, he's running past them. And I compared him to Tutu Atwell as well as um, Jalen Waddell. Uh, and and they're they're kind of all in the same category because they all kind of have that speed, that same speed, which is just not just fast, but like super fast. Um, and they're all slots. They're all jet sweep guys, uh, potentially jet sweep guys. Um Although Dwayne Askridge doesn't have much experience of those three, though, it's interesting that Dwayne has probably the most experience on the outside of any of them, you know, uh, and, and, you know, most experience running kind of what you would call real routes of any of those guys. And Mm -hmm. so I think that um, I think that he's going to be really attractive to teams. I don't want to gloss over him. Uh, The other guy, I mean, the Dolphins got to coach Demetric Felton. Mm-hmm. And he's got big speed. He's got big quickness. He's got like the potential to be that sort of Dwayne Eskridge type player when he learns. I mean, he's a running back to wide receiver convert. Um, when he learns a little bit more of it, I, I saw, I saw just, this is my eye and, and your mileage may vary. I saw wasted steps and wasted movement, you know, um, and mm-hmm. I, you know, it kind of, it kind of didn't let him be as dangerous as he could have been. Um, and, but once he gets it, you know, he's, I think he's going to have physicality because he's a former running back. So yeah. Demetri um, Felton has one major problem coming off the line. He drops his head and he drops his head all the time. And I think, I don't, yeah, well, I don't know if that's a running back thing and now he's playing wide receiver, but you got to make eye contact with the guy in front of you. You got to keep your head up. You, you well, that's another down. thing. These guys often don't even know how to do like yeah. coming out of college, like is, is get off the line sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they get off the press. And, and so they're, they're going to be taught whether they can, they can do it or not, but he's got the, it's the quick guys. I don't, I don't really worry about the quick, fast guys. Those are the guys that, those are the guys that are going to get off. 
and get off the line at the next mm-hmm. one. It's the big dudes that you're like, oh, he's so big and strong. Of course, they'll get off the line. No, they're huge fucking targets. That's that's <laughs> that's why they don't get off the line. They don't get off the line because it's easy to hit them. I mean, it's like throwing a dartboard at a barn. I mean, it's like, or a dart at a barn. I mean, it's like you know, it, the big guys are just easier targets. Um, and that's why actually I don't buy this thing about Jamar Chase getting off the line versus a Devonta Smith, but that's a different story. Yeah, I don't buy um, it. So, so yeah, Demetrius Felton. I mean, look at that touchdown though that he got in the game. Yeah, just look at that touchdown. And On then Daniel of all people, a guy yeah, who you know, he has some think, <laughs> think about Miami's coaches and what they love and it, what uh-huh. they weren't doing, what they weren't doing enough of this year as far as scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I mean that they probably had to be drooling all over that, uh, all over that, uh, that, that touch. And plus they're, they're, they're in search of this kind of guy. They really are. I mean, they, they traded for um, what's his face. Uh, Lynn Bowden. They, you know, mm-hmm. they took Malcolm Perry in the draft. I mean, they originally, they, they extended Jakeem Grant last year. Um, you know, they, they, they worked with Albert Hill or Albert um, Wilson to, uh, to keep him here. I mean, he, he ended up, he ended up sitting out because of the COVID, yeah. you know, thing, but, but they worked with him on a contract to keep him here. I mean, they're in search of this kind of guy. They, they supposedly, you know, had a, had a, had a hard on for uh, Brandon Ayuk. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they want this type of exactly this type of dude. And so they had to be seeing Demetric Felton and even, you know, as a different player, as a running back, even Michael Carter, they had to be looking at those guys and just being like, Oh, you know, like that's, that's just their thing. It's their, yeah. it's their jam. Yeah. And let me repeat that, that stat again, uh, and, you know, so people can, you know, remember this. Okay. And this was a huge problem with this team this year in their 24 touchdown passes. They had 87 yards of yak. Okay. Mm-hmm. 24 touchdown passes, 87 yards of yak. 52 of them came on one play. That's, that's a problem. Right. <laughs> the uh the gaskin play yes and that, okay and that was just that was really just a block right that was just a great block on the outside it was a great that's block by matt collins and then goodbye you know yeah, what i mean and then goodbye like that's a problem okay yeah. especially when you have kansas city on his on patrick mahomes 5,000 touchdown passes go look at those mm. numbers all right you're talking about 700 800 yards of yak that's yeah. that's real okay yeah. that's a threat no they not the that. not what we were doing so so i mean so you're going to be looking at guys that can get who and who are the guys that can get yeah well i mean devonta smith had more yak than anybody in college football by over 500 yards a long yeah by over 500 yards yes by a long distance too so um and then uh but then you look at a demetri felton form you know running back comfort um you look at somebody look at what Dwayne Eskridge really go watch his western michigan look at what he does after the catch because of his speed and quickness i mean it's it's insane watch tutu atwell um at at louisville uh what he does what he does with the ball in his hands um and this kind the sort of speed that uh that he can that he can use to his advantage uh this is this is the type of player they're going to want and um to fix that yeah, and let me say, and let me say this: uh, I've been going to practices for you know for four thousand years, not to date myself, you know what I mean. But it's been a while, okay. And I watch every single wide receivers coach, you know, from Carl Durrell to, to you name it, 
And they all say the same thing. They all tell their guys the same thing. Uh, a cornerback puts their hands on you in the first five yards of your release. You break his fingers and everybody looks at him. And some guys are kind of shy to be physical, you know, with mm-hmm. guys in practice. Go watch Dwayne Eskridge. He literally tries to break your fingers if you try to get his hand, your hands on him to open a route. He doesn't let you try to steer him with your hands. Okay. Yeah. You know, he was a corner. Mm-hmm. So he knows. <laughs> he, played, he played corner. He knows. Yeah. And, and, and trust me when I tell you that these wide receivers coaches tell you that they tell these, these wide receivers that to see who is shy enough to not do it in practice. And those are the guys that you don't want. Okay. Not, you know, to, to be blunt about it. You want the guys that do things like Dwayne Eskridge, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, you know, it's obvious. Okay, it's obvious. I, I'm going to have a tough play. time. I'm honestly, I'm honestly going to have a tough time with Dwayne Eskridge and uh, Tutu Atwell because I really appreciate what Tutu's speed can do uh, on the field, um, but also Eskridge has that kind of speed. And and this goes back to the reason that I have Devonta Devonta Smith over Jim, um, Jamar Chase. It's about the resume, and mm-hmm. yeah, Tutu allowed to be there, you know, at the Senior Bowl. But what Dwayne Eskridge did at the Senior Bowl mattered, and um, yeah, and that's so. So I, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of getting there that like I'm going to put him above, um, you know, and I didn't think I would, but uh, but that's you know, that's yeah. the way it goes. A lot of Antonio Brown there. If you watch him, a lot of Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. It just looked good. But yeah. but with you know, imagine if Antonio didn't. Antonio doesn't have like four three speed, right? No, uh, but he's sub four five. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, which um, is you know, yeah. which is fast. But you know what? I I think getting back to the offensive line, I thought there were several guys. You know, I thought mm-hmm. I thought Dylan Radden's one that was voted he was the best practice player of the week. You know, the award that Justin Herbert got last year mm-hmm. um, came from North Dakota state. Uh, you knew he was two things you knew at North Dakota state, because you can measure these things sort of in a vacuum. It doesn't matter who you're, who you're going against. Uh, you knew he was, you knew he was mobile. You knew he could, you know, he could move. Yeah. You know? Cause you don't need to, you don't, if you have a good enough eye for it, but I mean, if, if you can see the speed, I mean, you can see the explosiveness, the lateral explosiveness off the snap and, and stuff like that. Um, so you knew that you knew he had this really beastly feisty mentality um, that he's, he's out there to dominate people. Uh, but what you couldn't really know is the strength because he's facing all these guys from, from the FCS. Mm-hmm. Um so he shows up at the senior bowl and now he's going against strong dudes, right? You know, these are, these are, these are some of the best players in college football. Um, and the strength held up and more than held up. And, and I think that that's, that's, that's such a, that's such a big puzzle piece to fit mm-hmm. in there that he is going in the first round. And, um, and that's, you know, maybe that, maybe that wasn't happening before. Maybe it was, I don't know, but um, he's going in the first round. He's going to be, he's the, you know, he, he looks spitting image of Joe Staley and Joe Staley is actually training him, which I just found out, which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, so he, he, he's a huge stand up. If, if the dolphins are looking, I mean, I think you sub, I think you can put him in at left tackle over Austin Jackson. 
I would put him in there over Austin Jackson. Hmm. Uh, you know, you'd think about you'd think about moving Austin Jackson maybe to the right side and having Robert Hunt move inside. I mean, you could really think about that. That's that's a um, that's a genuine that's a genuine possibility. Um, another guy that may interest them and may not. I don't know what they they're going to think of him. Spencer Brown of UNI, um, Northern Illinois. He's six eight and a half and three hundred fifteen pounds. So he's got he's you look at him next to people he looks like Ivan Drago I mean he's he's like you know he's just he's just massive dude and there guy there have been guys like that before that you know aren't aren't too good the difference with him is that he has really good really really good knee bend um and that's that's what these guys that are that big um often lack oh, yeah he popped all week on the one-on-one yeah. drills yeah he doesn't quite know what he's doing yet, and you wouldn't probably wouldn't expect him to. Um, but he was swallowing because, up guys that were trying to come up. Yeah, he he has the ability to swallow up dudes. Um, I he gets you know if he places his if if he gets a little bit too far back or you know he, he get, gets a little bit too perpendicular shoulder pads to the to the um, line of scrimmage and you know and then he can get beat to the inside or something like that. You know, yeah, he gets off the stool these, like they like to say. Yeah. The, yeah, th- these are the things that you know he's going to learn. He's going to learn better feel for it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But you're looking for guys that are going to go to the NFL and not in any way be intimidated by the fact that these guys are much bigger and stronger and and faster. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy like that. This is a guy. He's going to get to the NFL and he's like, oh, these are my people, you know, <laughs> like, um, and, and that's because <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. I mean, really. And and so he has great knee bend, really good mobility. I mean, there's there's some there's some highlight reels. You can look up highlight reels of him, I think. And, and you can see him. I mean, he, I think he's a rare combo. I think he looked a lot like Sebastian Ballmer, um, you know, back in the, back in the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd really take a look at him. And then the other guy, Aaron Banks was probably the best guard in mobile. Uh, I think he might've leaped, leapfrog. I mean, Trey Smith's medical issues probably were going to have him sink like a stone anyway, but, um, but, you know, in terms of even just who's better, I think Aaron Banks might have might have gotten above him of Notre Dame, and and also you know I think he had, had a, he kind of he had a rapport with Lemuel Jean Pierre, um, and and a, and he's a, he's a smart dude, um, mm-hmm. so I'd I'd keep an eye on him. Uh, I'd keep an eye on uh, you know obviously Hansy, um, and and Miners. I mean God Flores is he's such a Flores guy, right? (laughs) Well, if we're going to talk about a guy and I guess we could move off the offensive line with this and move on to other positions, probably positions that are not of, not of need, but of opportunity. Mm -hmm. If we're going to talk about a guy that Flores took a liking to Demar Hamlin of Pittsburgh safety all week, from day one, he had him call the secondary splits, and then he had him call them in the game, all mm-hmm. game. And then, of course, he gets an interception, and then the first time you see him come off the field, there's Brian Flores high-fiving mm-hmm. him and smiling ear to ear. Yep. There's yeah, something there, right? There's definitely it, something there. Definitely there's something, something there. And he's and he's a lengthy guy. Like, he's uh-huh. a light. And this is, this is something we're probably missing on that back end as far as, like, uh, the, you know, Bobby McCain's position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DeMar Hamlin is a lengthy dude. And, um, and I think that that's, that can be important. Uh, you know, John Johnson comes to mind as a, as a guy that's back there. Um, that's, that's in, in that same kind of role and, uh, and is, 
his length, you know, relative to, uh, to his height, um, really helps him out. And I think that, uh, I think what you said is right on, um, Brian Flores was all over this guy. And I do think it's a position of need. I think that Mm -hmm. because of the, because of the budget crunch, they might even have, they might even have to look at doing something with Bobby McCain. I mean, there's a reason, um, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald was, was, writing about the safety position and writing about you know possibly saving cap space by cutting bobby mccain and and maybe maybe getting a new safety or something i think brian flores is looking for new blood there Mm. and um and damar hamlin would fit really really perfectly Mm. i agree and if we're talking about bobby mccain how about uh, to me he looked like his clone uh Trey Brown, I thought had a great week. Well, you know, you didn't see him in the game. I don't know if he even played. To be to be honest with you, <laughs> no, he was he... good all week. Trey Brown of Oklahoma corner. He was head head and shoulders above everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, even Keith Taylor. Not well, maybe not head and shoulders above Keith Taylor because he was really good. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't was... have the PR staff that Richie Grant had all week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, Richie Grant was good. He had a great presence all week. Yes, he did. Um, not not taking anything away from him and i think and he looks great I think, he's lengthy I think long flores lean yeah i think i think brian flores would naturally be attracted to uh to him in the same way that he'd be attracted to bobby mccain yeah. um so so not n- taking nothing away from there trey brown as a corner keith taylor and trey brown were were together let's say that together they're together head and shoulders above um every everybody else at corner to me in, in the drills i mean just in what they're doing out there uh, mm-hmm. and what they were able to do um he was he was unassailable uh trey brown was and Absolutely. and and that's that that's really hard to do in those one-on-ones i'm telling you like that's that is not easy the the one-on-ones are are geared for the wide receiver absolutely win. that's what i look for if i see a corner that's yeah. competing then i say okay what's the competition like okay yeah that's a good that's that's fitzpatrick on the other side okay yeah this guy can play yeah exactly you're looking for you really are looking for like nuances things in there and 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 not not just oh he caught the ball or you know he he, he gave up the catch or something like that you really are looking for because it it's so geared toward the um toward the the uh, wide receiver it's yeah kind of ridiculous and truth um, be told a lot of these wide receivers they're just cheating out there like some of those rocks don't exist (laughs) yeah they they make them up as they go (laughs) yeah and i've actually heard i've heard coaches on on the you know sitting on the sidelines of these all-stars i've heard i I think i said this on another podcast i've heard coaches be like he just made that one up as he went that's a win for you (laughs) you know like there ain't no route like that. Like he just, he just yeah. started making it up. Yeah. There's and, no time to run some of those routes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I think that that's, that, that can be a win for, um for those guys, but yeah, that's, Trey Brown, definitely, you know, he, he was a huge standout among the corners. I just, is Miami going to go there though? You know, is, yeah. is Miami going to go for another corner after they just got Igmanagane? I don't think they're giving up on Igmanagane at all. No. Um, not you know not at all and and i don't think they're going to end up losing xavier howard that's my personal opinion mm-hmm. um so you know i think i think that uh they're probably gonna damar hamlin yeah mm-hmm. maybe richie grant yeah yeah uh trey brown keith taylor probably not 
Yeah, but great Just players. Like Those are good. Players. Great players, though. Great yeah. players, though. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. But on the defense, it, what about the defensive front, though? Yeah, and that's where uh, the two Pittsburgh guys are interesting to me, because if there was ever, yeah. uh, and we talked about this on the WhatsApp chat, but I noticed it right away. Like, I'm not going to say the consensus, but most scouts would say eh, Patrick Jones, right? probably the better yeah. prospect. Rashad yeah. Weaver looks like a dolphin to me, and Patrick Jones doesn't look at all <laughs> like a dolphin to me. I would say Rashad Weaver is probably a guy that they looked at, and especially the way that they played him all week. They looked at him, and they said, you know what? Maybe this guy is somewhere around 122, and we can take him. Possibly. Um, they were forced to use these guys in this way this mm-hmm. week because, you know – it the only true defensive tackle that they had on the roster, I think, was Osa Odigizua. Yeah. And and he's not he's not even really a true defensive tackle. He's 280 pounds. I mean, and, and he's and he's uh and he plays he plays defensive end at, at times and he plays inside at times. And you know, he's and they had to have him at one tech all week. Like that's their only guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, and Teron to Jack- one poor Teron Jackson got oh, abused yeah. by all those centers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 yeah. so they're forcing they're forcing all these guys to to move inside. And um, I just thought Rashad Weaver was was very up and down during the week. And, and you know there were times that it looked pretty good, and then there was times that he's like, "You have no plan. Like, what are you what are you what are you doing out there?" Um, and so there's you know there's it, it was very up and down. Um, the reason people are attracted to Patrick, Patrick Jones, who, by the way, had one of the worst practice weeks of anybody. Absolutely. At any position. Um, the reason people are attracted to him is, is he's, he's more, he's more of the, um, you know, kind of, uh, change of direction, agile, you know, lateral scrappy kind of, kind of look to him. Uh, whereas Rashad Weaver is probably a more linear looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, some, some teams are just attracted to, to the one versus the other. Um, you, they could be, if they're looking for length though, Janarius Robinson has absolutely ludicrous length. I think he's like 36 inch arms or something like that. And, and just, you know, Ade Ogundeji of, um, of Notre Dame has great length and, and showed it. Ellerson Smith, we, we talked mm-hmm. about looks exactly like Jason Taylor out there. Um, he's got great, but he's, he's six, six and a half and he's 262 pounds or something like that. I mean, yeah. And when you say that he looks like Jason Taylor, you know, right down to his first step, the use of his hands, how he gets off the corner, how he throws the flipper. It's Mm -hmm. all too familiar. It's, it's the only thing he, the only thing he doesn't do that I, you know, it's just like, can somebody teach you that? I, I wonder is is that you know dip around edge and come back up to the quarterback yeah i i haven't really seen that out of him and that goes back to the uni tape that i've that i've watched him um and and some people will be like oh you can't even be a good defensive or a pass rush prospect if you can't do that well maybe because that's not as big a part of nfl pass rush as you think um you know as as you tend to think and so so yeah he was he's a real standout but the best best pass rusher best defensive lineman best defensive lineman of the week uh was cam sample of Tulane, of Mm -hmm. any squad either squad cam Mm -hmm. sample was the best defensive 
defensive lineman. And I believe he was uh, recognized as such. Um, you know, he was definitely voted by his own squad as the best DL on his squad. And I thought I heard that he got voted as like the best DL period um, from, from either squad. And he, he's 274 pounds. He's 274 pounds. He looks, he's built like a bigger cam wake. Mm-hmm. And they used him. I mean, they had, they even had to, because of the, the way the roster was, they even had to use him at one technique um, on his squad. Yes. And, which is weird, you know, right? Because, because this guy, if you watch him at Tulane, he's an outside linebacker. Like that's, that's how they use him. Like the uh, outside linebacker at, uh, at Tulane it, opposite uh, the other guy that Simon really likes. I think it's, um, it's something Johnson, Patrick Johnson, maybe. Yeah. Patrick Johnson. Um, Patrick Johnson is a guy that Simon really likes. I started looking at Patrick Johnson. I was like, holy shit, who's the guy on the other side? And, um, and he's the outside linebacker on the other side. He's being used at one technique and doing fine. Like he's like, like he's just, you know, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and he, three technique, he's deadly. Three tech might be, might've been his most dangerous position of the week um, at senior bowl going up against guards. Uh, and then of course I, I, you know, he can play on the outside. That's where he plays normally. Um, he was, he was a really strong I mean, you, if you watched Tulane, you already knew he was pretty good. But he was, you know, you find out that he's this good. That's that's the difference. Yeah, I completely agree. And one last thing. I don't know if you saw, you've seen the meme, but it happened in the movie also. Um, when Yoda, he says there is another. <laughs> okay. Raekwon McMillan. Jerome Baker. Yep. Baron Browning. Ah, so, so it seems I am Baron Browning. I would tell people because I've had Ohio State people come to me and they're like, and by the way, we're talking about the linebacker, Ohio State, right? Linebacker, Ohio State. There's a reason Ohio State, by the way, um, all three of their linebackers in the senior bowl, all of them were on, on Brian Flores' squad. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not a coincidence, you know, Jim, uh, Jim Nagy and uh, Brian Flores are friends and, and there's, there are connections between Brian Flores and Ohio state um, and not just Ryan day, you know, and, and so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave it there, but, um, but yeah, there's a reason, there's a reason those guys were all out there. Baron Browning. The thing I would tell people that have been a little bit underwhelmed, maybe by stats or by, you know, what he's done is go look at what he did at the end, how he played it against Alabama. That's the kind of football player that I would want on my team at, at a linebacker position. And this is a need position. This is, this is one of the, the, the right now need like center because mm-hmm. Alandon Roberts is a free agent, but Alandon Roberts also like tore something in his knee. I don't, you know, I don't know if it ever officially well, came out. Well, body parts were falling off of him in that radio. Yeah, game, I mean, so. yeah, and, the, and so very, very late in the season, significant knee injury immediately went on an and IR. significant shoulder injury too. Yeah, and and so he is beat up. You can't even if he weren't a free agent, I don't think you could count on him for next year. Um, so so I think this is a need now position, this linebacker position. And, uh, and Baron Browning, you, you have to wonder, or, and maybe this was the purpose of Miami coaching, um, them, is he a guy that just steps right in and fills that, 
that a Landon Roberts role, you know, be ultra aggressive. But the thing that he's got that, that, you know, a Landon Roberts doesn't have is the length and the speed to, to be more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's what kind of gives you. And so he, he's going to probably go higher than most, than a lot of people think. Um, and I, I wonder if Miami would be, you know, one of the teams after him. Yeah, and he also he also wins the the name Olympics. If the Divine Diablo didn't exist, <laughs> yeah. Baron Browning would have the best name in the draft. The guy's named after a machine gun. Come on, all right, <laughs> all right. Oh, uh, by the way, I had it in my. I didn't want to say it just in case it wasn't true, but I, I had it in my notes when we were talking about Cam Sample. He had the best rep against Creed Humphrey in the Super yeah. Bowl game. That's true. Okay. In a game, oh, in the where, game, in the game itself, yeah, I know what you're talk, I'm talking about. That. Okay, in a game yeah. where nobody had a good rep against Creed Humphrey, Cam Sample did. All right, I, I hope and that that actually happened in practices. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened in practices where, uh, God, I'm gosh, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of who it was, but it, he generally, he generally was not getting beat in the practice, and um, and Cam Sample was the guy that gave him trouble all of a sudden. And, um, and that was, you know, I'll, I'll have it here in a second, but um, there was, well, there are a couple of good guys in their practices and, and on the offensive line, I think we've talked about him, but you know, Deontay Brown, um, he beat Deontay Brown pretty easily, but Deontay showed that he can be beat on the outside with, with speed. He beat Trey Smith, um, which was, you know, that's kind of a bigger deal there. Um, and he, you know, he beat, uh, I don't, I don't think he ever got, he ever got to face off with Leatherwood. Um, mm. But, you know, he, he definitely beat, was beating Drake Jackson, Alaric Jackson, guys like that. Um, you know, so he, he was, he was just all over the place. And then he, and then he had the, I think he was defensive MVP of the game or something like that. Mm. Um, I think that's what it was, but yeah, he was, he's f- f- phenomenal. All right, I hope everybody is happy with our senior bowl coverage this year because I don't see anybody else doing what we did. Mm-hmm. All right, but now we're going to get into the game, okay? It's kind of weird that this is our Super Bowl special and we've done, done an hour and a half on offensive coordinators and the senior bowl. And now yeah, we're going to do about it, five minutes on a game. <laughs> it's oddly, it, you know, I, Ethan and I were just down down Tampa um, you know, going through, going by the Super Bowl experience and Radio Row, it's oddly appropriate. It's <laughs> odd. We called this Super Bowl fifty-five. It really feels like fifty-four and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that's you know that's the truth. It just doesn't. This is such a this is such a wasted opportunity for a waste for the city of Tampa. I have to think that they're gonna they're gonna put a Super Bowl back here within three four years to make up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it's. It's no man's land out there. Radio Row was, I mean, I was at Radio Row last year in Miami, uh, Super Bowl week. You know, it's bustling, it's tight. You know, there's there's all kinds of things going on. And this, I, I we went to Radio Row. It was, I mean, it was like, ah, it was it was depressing. It was just we walked out of there just depressed. Well, Radio like, Row we were, is usually depressing. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Well, and I, I'm, I don't, I don't think so. I think, I, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of things happening and there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of people um, and a lot of players and a lot of different personalities and stuff like that. Radio Row, when we went in there, 
was just all this massively spaced out, super quiet, just everybody looked like they wanted to kill themselves. And, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the whole Super Bowl area this mm. year over, over by the, you know, it, it's tough. It's really tough. They're doing the best they can. And I really appreciate the things that they're doing to make everybody safe and, um, you know, phenomenal job that they're, they're doing. Uh, but it's, it's a really tough thing. Um, and so it, it feels oddly, you know, appropriate for us to just spend basically five minutes at the end of the podcast uh, <laughs> on the game. <laughs> yeah. And I'll start off like this and I guess, you know, we could just get into what we think can happen. Well, you and me, come on, you know, both of us are huge Patrick Mahomes fans. Okay. By extension, it makes us chiefs fans in a game like this, that Tom Brady's on the other side, you know, forget it. All right. Mm -hmm. Minus three looks great to me. Why am I Mm -hmm. afraid to bet against Tom Brady and these Tampa Bay bucks, Chris? Yeah, I think that if you look at pre- in previous Super Bowls, they they find the the game seems to have a way of finding has a way of becoming close. Yes. Or being a close game. I mean, even though you you wouldn't think you'd think that the averages and it just somebody would run away with it more often, but um it used to but, be remember that the NFC kept blowing out the AFC for 4000 years in a row, remember? Right, right, exactly. And then to the point where people were speculating, you know what? We got to join the playoffs. <laughs> so that way we could possibly have a Giants Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. Or a Giants 49ers Super Bowl because all of these bums from the AFC are worthless. <laughs> okay. That's what the at one point that was the hot take. Yeah. I get, I could see it. Um, but you know, it's been lately, it's been just like finding a way to be close. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, that's why I'd, I'd hesitate on that three is because I, I think it could be a push. You know, I think, I think it could be exactly three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told, I was saying earlier today, Ethan, Ethan and I were, um, were videotaping and uh, I think that, and you and I have had this discussion before and you're, wondering you know because the chiefs aren't winning by that much and you know are are they losing it are they losing their magic Mm -hmm. and to me i think i think it's the opposite i think that they added to their magic um and it's because last year we knew that they could front run we knew that they could they could show up and just blow you out of the game you know start off with three touchdowns in a five minute period. And then just, you know, just um, victimize you after that. And just, I think that we knew that that could happen. It can still happen. It could happen in this game easily um, because they're that dangerous, but at the end of the season last year, and especially in the Super Bowl, what they started to show was the character to, to start winning these close ones and to really fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a different, I think that's a different characteristic for a team. And so when they won, however many in a row this year that they won it was by eight. tight the, scores, it was eight, eight, and eight in a row NFL record, eight games in a row by six or less points. That streak ended yep. against the Buffalo bills in the AFC championship game. You know, it's one thing if it's the Buffalo Bills doing that and you start to question whether, you know, because because if they were if the Buffalo Bills were doing that, it's because their offense isn't too good. Mm-hmm. And um, and so there you'd be like, ah, you know, maybe the Buffalo Bills, they're they're kind of lucky to to scrape by. 
if it's a team that you know can blow you out because they have that ability, um, that kind of ability, uh, the eight in a row, winning tight games, you know, really pulling it out. Uh, it's like a horse. It's like the horse with tactical speed. It's like a horse that can – that it's like American Pharaoh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's basically the horse that can blow you out from wire to wire. Mm-hmm. Also, the horse that can look the other horse in the eye and come and and come out ahead. Yeah, you know or that's sit off the leader. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, that's or yeah, or or come off the leader. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what I think the the Chiefs are showing this year, and I think that's scary as shit. And and I think I don't think there's any way that they're losing this game. But you know, now I say that they're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say this: uh, Tampa. The power Bay. of my jinx is really strong. Yeah, Tampa Bay looked overwhelming in these playoffs, especially considering that Tom Brady was absolutely awful in the second half against an Aaron Rodgers-led team in Green Bay, and it still wasn't enough to beat Tampa Bay. So I don't know. They're finding ways. Now, I will say this. Minus three and a half, I would not take the Chiefs. I'm not – I don't don't like the game. Now, minus three, yeah, I'll have some fun with it. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to play some props. You know, yeah. play some props just because it's the Super Bowl. I like to have a little money on it. Uh, why not Why not uh, some DFS with, uh, with, with prize picks? Absolutely. Or, you know, of course, if you're going to bet on the game, my bookie and use three yards. But let's get to it. What happens in the game? Give me a score and give me the MVP. Okay, the MVP is going to be is going to be Patrick Mahomes. I do believe. Whoa, you know that, that's you know you came off the top rope with that one. You know, hot take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> really, uh, really going out on a limb here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, and I think that it's going to be a closer game. Um, you know, just let's call it four points because I. I think the the odds are it's either the three point the push on the three or or win for the Chiefs mm-hmm. uh, against the spread, but I think I think it's going to be one of those games where it, it's like thirty one to or thirty two to twenty eight or something like that, um, and I think that uh, yeah I, I think the the Bucks might have a defensive touchdown, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I, I could see that happening, but um, I think the Chiefs just have too much character in those tight ones. I, I scares the shit out of me if they if I know that they can blow you out or they can win the tight one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to go off the. I'm 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 go off the board because I am gonna bet this. I was thinking about this today, and I was like, okay, if there was gonna be somebody else in this game out of everybody in this game, outside of the two quarterbacks to win the MVP, who would it be? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, that one's obvious. Tyreek Hill, right? Tyreek Hill. Look at what he did against the Bucks last time. Okay. He had mm-hmm. 200 yards in the first quarter. First quarter, 200 yards receiving. Okay. I think if he does that again, I think it'll be just too obvious and you cannot deny him the MVP. So that's going to be my shot in the dark for MVP. I'm going to call the score 34 31 in. And I think both quarterbacks play well. I think Tom Brady has more of a running component in this game. I think Fournette put some yards up, but it won't be enough. And I think it'll end with Tom Brady with the football, maybe throwing an interception somewhere around midfield. 
But you know what's interesting about that though with Tom Brady? I'm a believer in the momentum thing, and mm-hmm. he had piss poor momentum at the end of that conference championship, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was really awful in the in the latter part of that game, and um, I wonder if that carries in, but you know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I do expect but, a good game though, and yeah. you know, as far as being at home. You know, uh, what kind of advantage is it? Well, you get to use your own. Well, they have used their own practice facility. So that's a thing, right? But, you know, you don't have your home crowd. Even if it was a Super Bowl, you're not going to have your home crowd. You haven't had your home crowd all year anyway. So I don't think it makes much of a difference. I think, you know, there is that Florida jinx, you know, which I don't think is much of a jinx when he keeps winning every time for Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't play his best, let's just say. So, you know, Tampa Bay has a lot going for them. But, you know, I'm throwing in with Patrick Mahomes. And he threw he threw for 462 yards in that game <laughs> against against the Bucks. <laughs> That's crazy, right? And and to your point about Tyreek Hill, he had 269 of those yards. <laughs> 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. I say he does it again, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I think that that's how you cannot deny him the, the MVP. I think if a wide receiver in a Super Bowl has 200 and something yards receiving and probably two or three And three touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, you cannot deny him the MVP. Yeah, even if the quarterback had, you know, the stat line that, that – uh, did he have the – he might have had – I wonder if he had the perfect – no, he did not have a perfect quarterback rating. So it was probably, it had to be close, but yeah. it wasn't. I don't think it was because I think, didn't he throw a pick late in the game or something? Because no, I know Tampa no Bay picks. was on the comeback trail. No picks, but, you know, he was 37 of 49. So that right there, 37 of 49 is 76%. That's ridiculous. <laughs> for 462 yards, 462 yards. That's all? Is, that's 9.4 YPA. Wow. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Wow, I, I'm 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 a little bit shocked. That's not a perfect rating, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, enjoy the game, dear listeners. You cannot complain this week. All right. If you know, if anybody says that we were just you know mailing it in this week, you know, stop listening to the show. So this was our Super Bowl special. I hope you enjoy. It. There was everything in this thing, and as far as Senior Bowl, like. Is anybody offering our coverage? No, that's the quick answer. But thank you for listening all year. The season is winding down. We got like, what, one more show left in the season before we start season four of Three Yards Per Carry. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.